This podcast is produced by Arts Council England. For more content like this, visit artscouncil.org.uk or soundcloud.com forward slash Arts Council England. I'm Director of Engage and um, I'd like to introduce Barbara Taylor, who's Director of Inquire, the programme we're going to be talking about, and Albert Petroni, who's an artist who's worked on the Inquire programme. Um, Barbara and then Albert are going to talk a little bit about um, their experience of evaluation drawing on the Inquire programme, and then um, hopefully there'll be sort of 15 to 20 minutes for (coughs) discussion, but we're starting a little bit later. Um, So we might have to eat a tiny bit into the break, uh, because I hope you've got lots of questions about what we're going to describe. I'm going to very briefly uh, talk about some of the background to the Inquire programme so that you understand something about the programme and the research that we're drawing on. Inquire was one strand of the strategic commissioning programme for museum and gallery education, which started in uh, 2004 and ran to 2011. And the aim of the programme was to um, build capacity amongst museums and galleries, really to support their ability to work with children and young people. And the programme was delivered um, by the Museums, Libraries and Archives Council, by the National Galleries and Museums, and then the contemporary strand of the programme was delivered uh, by Engage through Inquire with the support of the Arts Council. Um, And the programme, as you'll hear, uh, comprised artists, uh, arts organisations and schools working with higher education institutions and involved CPD. CPD was a very embedded part of the programme. The programme ran until... uh, 2011 and it was funded through uh, DCMS and DFE and I think what's interesting is that the the funding was uh, phased so while we actually collected a huge body of evidence through research and evaluation of the program um, it's tempered by that data being gathered um, in phases and just to give you a sense of the scale of the program 40 galleries participated in the program throughout England uh, and some 12,000 children and young people, um, and 270 artists. So I'm going to hand over to Barbara. Okay, thanks. The Inquire strand of strategic commissioning was a little bit different from the other two. All the strands um, delivered projects with children and young people and had different sort of strategic aims, depending on the, um, on the sort of area of the sector. But Inquire um, decided to... Um, act as a kind of research project. And that was really because there is very little documentation or evidence of the learning benefits to children and young people of engaging with galleries and with contemporary art. So it was felt really that before one could sort of work on evaluation or advocacy or CPD or anything, you needed some of that basic research doing. And there were 11 research projects over the first two phases, and they were published. I will sort of wave these... 2006-2008, they can be purchased, those reports, and they are also available to download through the Engage or Inquire website. So if you really want to know more in depth, then that's the place to go, because we're just going to kind of touch the surface of some of these things, really. Um, it was a research programme, but some, well, a lot of the issues actually about doing research are very much the same as evaluation. Um, in the very first phase of Inquire, we came up immediately with um, three issues which I think are pertinent today. 
One was that the different professionals had quite different understandings of language and terminology. So we had these research teams that were comprising um, gallery educators, artists, teachers, youth workers, and um, academics from universities. And immediately you use a word like creativity. You know, it was almost like it lit a fire. You know, people have very different understandings of these terms. So in talking about any kind of uh, framework, that's a big issue, really. Um, artists came into the research teams later than the other professionals, so they weren't equally involved in developing the um, data, uh, select, uh, data collection or the methodology. And um, action research is a contested term, but really the aim of the project was that everybody would be equally involved. I mean, it's a, but the young people weren't involved in developing the data collection on the methodology. So it's quite, if you put that in sort of anthropological terms, it would seem very strange now that a team would kind of go into the jungle of Brazil or wherever, you know, and observe a tribe. You know, that is thought to be very uh, non you now and um, un politically unacceptable. You, you involve people in their own sort of research. So that was a weakness. Um, and because of the phased um, nature of the project, very difficult to overcome. But when the artists actually got involved in the teams, they very, very quickly challenged the methodology. And they really, really hated the use of questionnaires. And actually, in the southeast cluster of galleries, which was Town of Delaware and Fabrica, they, they pretty well refused to use them, which, which was very problematic. And they saw it as a tool that was associated with bureaucracy and boring things like working in an office. So, that immediately posed a challenge. But they, they, I think they did raise some very interesting issues. One was that the time taken to complete questionnaires would impinge upon the time available for the artist's work. The mood induced by completing a questionnaire was incompatible with the excitement and imagination that had introduced the project. Using questionnaires might create resistance in pupils who didn't care for writing in an art lesson. And if that was the case, the method would be ineffective if students didn't bother to complete the questionnaire properly. So then, in a way, the onus was on the artists to come up with methods for collecting data that would be more interesting. So they developed different ways of doing that, so using paper aeroplanes or hiding the questions so young people had to find the questions. And then also presenting questions in wider discussion groups, which would lead to um, a discussion that would then have to be noted. So there are quite a lot of implications of being more participatory and more democratic. Um, to the sort of data collection and analysis. But they found that when they looked at the research diaries of the participants, there were some really interesting attitudes coming out among the artists and teachers who said that they didn't know evaluation could be so much fun. They'd saw it as a chore before. When there's a practical element, the pupils are really keen to complete the questions. And because the questions were posed in an appealing way and in an active way, the writing element was less of an issue, and the questions being asked by the pupils became amazingly perceptive. And then the last one, which is quite a good one. Um, the ideal situation would be to ask the pupils how they would gauge their own self-determination and support them in self-reflection with this as a focus. So a lot of these findings were then taken up, particularly by the London Cluster, the Whitechapel Gallery, Bow Arts Trust, Chisholm Gallery and Space, who worked with an independent researcher who wasn't involved in a university system. 
And they, you, try to develop more creative ways that wouldn't interrupt the process of the workshops to involve the artists more and really to support gallery educators, teachers and youth, youth workers in more effective ways of collecting data. So I'm going to, I'm now going to ask, actually it was speed, wasn't it speed introduction, <laughs> yeah, but then I'm going to introduce Albert who actually worked on that programme so he can give you a taste of what that was like. Right. Basically, I came at that point at a very late stage, once actually the project had happened, the actual project, and the idea was to find ways of using evaluation as a creative tool. So turn it, a bit, turn it, a, turn it on its head a little bit, and then make that another project that the students were doing. So I work with, um, with a group of self-selected students, which was, that was important and a very small group of students. That also was quite important for the success of the enterprise. So we were, I think, around eight uh, year eight students that they all had chosen to do that. And uh, what, uh, what we did is that they came to, um, to my studio in Beaux Arts. And one of the things that was important also is that I wasn't, I didn't have any clue about what had happened before. So I didn't have any investment on the outcome of the evaluation because I wasn't the artist that had led the sessions. Um, and also, I didn't have any relationships built with the students yet, so that also thought was an important starting point. Um, and I didn't know what had happened, so in a way, they hold the knowledge. The students were in a, in a power place, in a place of power with me, more or less at par. So we sort of equalized because I held the power because I know what I was going to make them do, and I had certain expertise, but they also had the knowledge of what had happened before. So in a way, we were both experts, and I thought that was an interesting starting point for all of us. The activities, we actually do just, we just did two half-day sessions. So it was a very short little project. Um, and it was a very simple setup that we devised for the project, which was on the first day, um, the students uh, basically divided themselves in teams and uh, took, took, part, took turns to actually uh, play the filmmaker, play the, um, the director, play the sound person, the interviewer and the interviewee. And then they scouted for locations around the studios, around the, around the board's courtyard, and, and then they devised certain questions, the questions that they wanted to ask each other. So it was a very simple session. We then review all that material and review the quality of the filming, but also the quality of the questions and how the questions had, uh, would help uh, if we were changing the questions or changing the way the questions were asked, uh, if that would sort of bring new depths to the to the answers in a way, or give us more information to the, to, to the question we had asked. So by the second day, we played a bit of a sort of empathy game, where actually the, the kids became teachers and became the artists. And then we devised a new set of questions where they would be taking the role of the artist and they would be asked the questions as an artist and respond to those questions, and the same as the teacher. And the idea was to create a little film in the end, which was that was the end of the project. Again, that's was an important thing to have uh, a goal. The goal was to make a piece of work out of the evaluation. And I thought that also was quite important because it shifted the focus on, oh well, this is the end of the exciting bit and now we have to go across over this boring bit to have the, the project finished. And somehow it was the opposite actually. It was the, the beginning of something new to be able to reflect on what had happened before. Um, and then the final piece sort of to, um, to highlight or sort of to um, indicate this idea of sort of putting yourself in somebody else's shoes, uh, the kids decided to film themselves in this huge, we had these huge photocopies of um, 
photographs of people standing in different locations, mainly tourists, with their heads cut out, like, uh, like in the seaside resort when you sort of take a photograph. Um, so basically, they took the roles of teacher and artist, and then they filmed themselves, they devised the questions. The whole uh, production was completely managed by them, in a way. And I just wanted to read some of the questions that they, um, that they devised, which I think were quite, quite interesting. Those are the questions that they ask themselves, basically. What would you change? What have you gained from this experience? What did you learn about yourself? And, and the, the last one that I've got here is, what did you feel about not having a teacher control everything you did? Then from the questions and answers from that they devised for teachers, there's also something quite interesting that I wanted to share with you. And uh, those are questions written by them for a teacher, but answered by them as if they were the teacher. So putting themselves in the teacher's shoes. And they sort of give a quite clear, that actually they have a very clear understanding of what are the pressures that teachers deal with every day in order to be able to run a session. Anyway, and the questions is, like one of the questions is, were there any techniques you will try using in the class later on? And the teacher, student answers, yes, I would like to give the children more freedom because they seem to respond well and behave well and the results were very good, the work was outstanding. And then another question, they asked the teacher and replied themselves as the teacher. Did you find anything difficult? And if yes, why? And the teacher, student, says, I found giving someone else the control of the class difficult and the supplies and organizing the trips for the children to go out and work somewhere else. So this, is, this idea of the sophistication of how they know how difficult it is for a teacher to give control to an artist and have your, <laughs> your lesson completely disturbed and turned upside down, but also the pride on the actual work produced. The results were outstanding. They did really good work. And also the idea that actually freedom is a good thing, that uh, teachers should be slightly less worried uh, or less afraid of give freedom to the students. Um, and I'm just going to finish very quickly. Um, and I just wanted to... There's, what I thought was important, or that work, important, that work with this way of doing it, which is there are certain issues about, well, how valuable the, the material you get is and how can you quantify that. A little bit what Francoise was saying in the, in the keynote speech. Um, but what was really, I think, that work is that the project they did with Matthew Cristiano, the artist before I came in that we were evaluating, was about like mainly what every single artist working in school is about looking at a, at a different approach from what a teacher does, unfortunately, at the moment, which is very result, very technique-based um, teaching, while an artist will go and it's about experimentation, it's about looking at yourself or bringing something from yourself into the work and, and then making decisions and finding out what works, what doesn't work, what fails. And that was mirrored also in the evaluation, it was also about exploring and about basically about being yourself the one who leads what's happening in a way. And just to finish now, one of the quotes that sort of in a way um, supports that is that uh, the question that again the student was asking another student was, what did, you, what did you do for your contemporary art piece? And the student replies, well, I did a picture that was about anger. It was about anger. And it had a lot of different textiles and it was three-dimensional. Because we could do anything, I just decided to do what I was feeling that day, and I was feeling angry. And then from the same student, there's another quote that says, what I liked about the project, it is that we didn't get given an actual task to do. We got given textiles and materials. We didn't get given a stimulus. We got to think about it ourselves, so all the pieces are really individual and not at all similar, which is cool. That's what I liked.
I'm Lucy Bayliss. I'm Head of Learning Participation at Dance East in uh, Ipswich. Um, my question's about self-selection, um, because if, uh, in, in my experience, the students who self-select are the ones who particularly had a positive experience, or are those who are maybe the ones that always self-select, um, and working with a small group is obviously preferable <laughs> if you're doing something as, as involved as making a film um, but how does that affect the results given that some of those who may not have had the most positive experience may not self-select because there's all the things associated with feeling that it's wrong to have a negative outcome I think um, I'd relate that back to what Francois was saying I was quite struck with his presentation and particularly about the purposes of evaluation. I mean, if you looked at evaluation as kind of proving something or making the advocacy case, then I think that the model that Albert talked about would, would actually be totally inappropriate. But if you look at it more as a way of understanding practice and how it can be improved, then I think then there, there's less onus on whether it's representative and more onus on well, what were those young people thinking and what were the positive elements of the project and how could those insights be used in the future? And so I think, that, I think that does put quite a different gloss on it. If you're trying to be very, uh, you know, more scientific and, and representative, then, then it isn't a very, very useful model. And I think then you go back to the, 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 the projects at town where they were, they were developing just, you know, very, very interesting ways of collecting the data from a whole, you know, the whole 30 or whatever that were involved in it. And also what I didn't say is that during the previous project that Matthew was, the proper project that Matthew was running, there was evaluation going on. They had these four cameras where the kids were going and, and talking to them and then they had this, um, these brother rooms. Were. So in a way, that, because also that made my part successful too because that had been inbuilt. So kids that normally wouldn't really take part, like one of the girls, those quotes I was reading you, she's actually after that, a month after she was expelled, unfortunately, because she was seen as a troublemaker, while she was terribly insightful and amazingly, well, anyway. So, in a way, yes, that, that sort of cover, maybe students that wouldn't have self-select themselves did select themselves for that, because that had been built before in the, in, the, in the previous project. But as, as Barbara says, obviously, it's a very different thing what we were looking into the, you cannot really think that evaluation is a valid for, sort of to, to evaluate the whole project in a way. I find the negative things almost more interesting yeah. and useful than all the positive things, because yeah. that's where the learning. Yeah. Actually, she had a very tough time actually looking at the, how to sort of quantify all the, all the data. And also even in, in the sessions I ran, the, the, the film is really, Funny and it's quite, quite interesting. But the most interesting stuff actually happened during the first session where the kids were asked talking to themselves. So in a way, what, what you choose to, to show, what you choose to, yeah, where is the actual thing happening is very is debatable, really. Also, from a research point of view, and it would ideally with evaluation, all the data, all all the data collected was triangulated. So there were questionnaires. There was. There were meetings between the artist, the teacher, and um, the gallery educator. You know, that, so there were there were three or four methodologies, which were then all sort of tested against one another. 
Hi, I'm uh, Jules Wooding from uh, Learning and Access Manager at Tully House Museum in Carlisle. So I'm actually quite interested in the fact that the, a lot of the, the terminology of arts, now that museum libraries and archives have slipped under the Arts Council, sometimes slips into creative practitioners working in galleries and, and museums get forgotten. But um, what I'm interested in is you talked about using filming. Um, we find it quite difficult to employ somebody to do filming and stuff for us as an evaluative, evaluative tool. It's very expensive. And often if, if we put projects together, it's done on a wing and a prayer in the back of a fag packet. Um, can you recommend or can you give us some ideas of how we can evaluate things on the back of a fag packet and a wing and a prayer, basically? Because filming's great, and we've just done a project with our young persons group at the museum, and we walked Hadrian's Wall. Now, that was fab, and we put... We got funding for it and we used the funding to film Walking the Wall with a filmmaker. Because, I mean, I can't film, on, you know, for nobody's business. Um, and that was great. And we've used that as a bit of evaluation. And like you just said there, we've got back up with, we've asked the young people questions. You know, when you're in a hotel in Newcastle and you just walk 84 miles, they'll do anything for you. Um, and, you know, we've put that all together and the young people are going to write um, about their experiences and we're going to use that. But actually, I still feel there's something missing about it. There's something else that I should be doing. And that's lack of experience on my part. So I just wondered if yourselves had got any ideas or suggestions or if anybody else in this room had got any ideas and suggestions. Yeah, sorry. Um, the, the young people that we work with, uh, sometimes unbeknownst to us, make films about the things that they do on their mobile phones, on their cameras. So actually... It's not always necessary for you to be able to do it. I can't, but, but the 13, 14 year old students can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, film was just in this case because we just used it. Basically, it wasn't really necessary because I also work with film. But that wasn't really that had to be a film or has to be video. And like Barbara was saying, this idea of sort of placing the questions, making it as a, again, as a way of making work that doesn't have to be, could be a performance, could be a, could be a, yeah, a play, could be. A musical, and something that you don't really need to film either. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. One of the important principles behind what we're talking about is really involving the children, and young people. So that, that I mean, that's a sort of first step because I think the conversations they have when they're thinking about what the questions might be are really valuable. Um, the sort of Big Brother room that they set up in the project before Albert got involved was was just a stationary camera in a cupboard. And the young people were encouraged, having developed the questions, to go in at any time, switch the camera on, and just interview one another. Unfortunately, they switched off when they meant on and off. So some of the conversations that were recorded were absolutely hilarious and not a lot to do with the project. Um, another one of the uh, projects that, with the Chisholm Gallery, they just encouraged the young people to talk while they were making the work to talk about what they were doing. So that was... That was really about getting them to, again, getting them to think about the question and actually talk about it during the activity rather than, you know, pinning it on at the end as an extra. Um, and then I think, you know, Natalie at Towner and now she's at Hepworth has come up with some really quite interesting ways of then using those questions. They use paper aeroplanes. They, they'd hidden the questions. So by the time the kids had found the questions, they, you know, they were kind of involved in, a, in an activity um, lots of people use post-its, which sound of, you know, we all know about post-its, but it just is a bit more interactive. So, yeah, I mean, using a video camera is, is sort of one, one extreme, but I've seen lots of projects done where people use their mobile, mobile phones. Was it you just said mobile phone? 
And um, yeah, most of the young people are pretty adept at doing that. But I think the main thing is getting them involved in the evaluation. And it's good practice because if you're doing artwork, you should be reflective. It's, it's part of the, the educative nature of the work, I think, that the young people are involved in assessing it. Hi, I'm Mandy Fowler from Meadow Arts. I'm really interested in the, the process that you've used and, and the handing over the power and the sort of change in balance there. And I'm just interested in um, if you've used that methodology across more than one project, if you're comparing projects and how you pull it together under um, sort of one framework, really, and also how you would use that framework as, as a, a best practice really, um, for, for, for an overall learning experience? Yes, that's a, that's a very good question. That's one I've been thinking about. Who wants to do that? <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm going to cop out slightly because, because it, there is a lot of in-depth information in these reports and anything I say is going to be, you know, um, pretty slim at this point, except for this, this whole thing about triangulating. In the London cluster, there were... Uh, there were four different research projects going on and there were about f four or five methods of collecting data in each of those projects. And then there are, there's quite a lot of information about how that was analysed and pulled together. So, uh, do you mind if I just say, you know, it's probably going to be best. So I can tell you which, you know, which page, if you go on the website, you can just look at that. It would be much more informative than anything I can say. Other thoughts? I mean, I think it's really interesting, actually, how the points that Francoise was making this morning about what underpins evaluation and then how, and actually how data is used, actually seems seem to link in in a really interesting way with kind of notion of actually handing over power to young people who are part of the process and to the artists as well. Maybe also responding to your question, which in a way I didn't want it to do because uh, I have a bit of a thorn in my heart about this. Basically, I never got to do this again somehow. Um, I've used the principle to work in participatory practice with other different groups, but not evaluating, so make, making work. So I think that for me, yeah, it would be nice to have a few more chances to repeat the experiment and see how, yeah, how you would really make sure that you get enough material, good material, how can you use this material you, you, you get. So yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'm Sophie Heath. I work at Bilston Craft Gallery, which is part of Wolverhampton Arts and Heritage Service. And we have a specialist uh, early years arts program, craft play, for zero to five-year-olds. We're starting to use flip cameras uh, with them a lot so that the children are kind of filming each other, filming the things they're interested in in the room. It's generally a Reggio Emilia-inspired approach. But, and we, have, we've, we use those techniques for a 10-year anniversary event where we brought a lot of older children who'd used the programme over the years back into the room. And I think one of the, thing, one of the questions that came up for us is, at what, at what point do you deepen those things that are coming out through, through the children? That uh, There are points at which you can intervene or, or, or introduce something and I just wondered if either of you um, if that was included in your methodologies and if you'd like to comment on it. I'm also been involved in a project called 5 by 5 by 5 which I don't know if you know which also follows the Radio Emilia um, principles working with early years throughout a sustained period of time working with a small group again <laughs> and then involving sort of getting all the other kids to come at different points into the 
And that's been one of the things I had I've been battling with. How do you not evaluate, but see what's happening? And so we did exactly the same that you, you, you're mentioning, just like kids get flip cameras, take photos. Um, and what I did, so in the end, you have this amazing uh, trajectory. But as you say, it's not complete somehow. There's a need for more, um, more detail, more depth. So what I did last year, I just basically got the kids to comment one at a time on each, on basically that progression, what they were doing there. And, and amazingly, they remember quite a lot and actually were, were able to comment on it. And that added another layer. But uh, still, it's, yeah, it's quite difficult how you, especially with such, such tiny ones. I could just mention another piece of research that's been going with somebody called Carrie Jewett at the Institute of Education. Because um, she's been looking at um, group behaviour and sort of body language through video. So rather than actually using film in the way Albert did, where you're, you're getting the young people to be involved in a process which then reveals um, what they've learned, so it's actually uh, more objective in a way, and you get a situation where you can take photographs or film over the period of project and then analyse that to see so that you observe what's happening. Um, I mean, a, a very clear example would be there's um, a group of excluded young people who worked with the Lang Art Gallery in Newcastle early on in choir, and, and when they first came to the gallery, they, they all stood separately, in, you know, around the edge of the room, you know, and, and it was sort of three sessions in, they started interacting or working together. I mean, that is just such a, an obvious one. Um, but I'm not up to date with... Kerry Jewett's research, but it might be interesting for you to look at if you if you want to look at those different techniques and what's been found through research. Uh, one of the the things that we've tried out was to work with the parents. So we have like two or three parents in the parents and one educator, a teacher or a, or a TA, and they become the evaluators or the document well, not evaluators but the documenters. So you've got the kids input and films and photographs and things, but also you've got the adults that know the children very well and then they see them through the, through the whatever sessions. I mean, normally it's almost between half a year and a year that uh, we work together. So you have these different layers that are all subjective, but at the same time they build some sort of objectivity afterwards. Sorry, I'm Miranda Stern. I'm at Orleans House Gallery, which is the local authority art service for the London Borough of Richmond. Um, I think I find that a really interesting possibility, actually, because one of the things that, you know, I, I'm finding this discussion really interesting at the same time having that, you know, thing where you're like, yes, but my funders don't think that way. And we're currently in a position where we're doing more and more work down the route of children's centre commissioning and looking at the impacts and the outcomes that are, you know, that we basically say, yes, we can deliver these if you give us this money. But actually one of the things that they're interested in seeing is not just learning and development amongst the children, but also amongst the parents and the parents developing their confidence and their level of understanding around things like child development and development stages. And so actually you're kind of, through that you're potentially hitting both those buttons at once and building up the parents' own sense of their role in learning and about and recording their child's learning. What can they do with the child at home? How can they interact with the child at home in a different way? Play in a different way, maybe, yeah. Anybody wants this piece of <laughs> kit? <laughs> Uh, I think another tool that um, comes to fore through Inquire quite a lot is, is the exhibition or the public event. Um, 
the young people that were involved in the Towner project where the artists refused to use the questionnaires, they put on a public event where the young people formed a panel and talked to the audience, which was made up of their peers and their parents and so on, about what contemporary art is. And apparently, I mean, that was not part of the sort of research or evaluation, but actually the things that they said when they were given the uh, responsibility for a public event was really revealing about what they'd learned. Um, and where young people have um, had the opportunity to select work and put on an exhibition and then be responsible for uh, an opening. Similarly, you learn a lot about what they've learned because they're having to do that selection and presentation. Um, so I think that's, that's a tool that's quite possible in a lot of circumstances. Yeah, I mean, may, maybe that, that is the kind of conundrum because it, it, I think what's really struck me looking at a lot of the research which has come out of the Inquire programme is that while there were an, a, an enormous number of projects which took place um, and the researchers involved used different methodologies, actually it's really interesting a lot of the findings are incredibly consistent across that body of data because I, I remember when I first started working for Engage wondering how on earth we'd ever draw any consistent lessons from the experience that children and young people were having with artists and engaging with visual arts, but because a lot of it was determined by the choice of the young people who were taking part in the programme, the artists and the teachers, quite rightly so, actually. And a lot of them were being very anarchic as well, which, which was great, because it, it was very challenging to the whole process. But I think what really struck me was that there was... And I think, Barbara, you could talk about... The, in this, particularly in the second round of inquiry, there was incredible consistency in terms of the kind of responses that children and young people were having. Yes, after we'd uh, finished 11 research projects, we, we asked Nicholas Houghton to kind of crunch all the data and find the common thread. So there were elements that weren't in common, but uh, he certainly found a lot of factors that were in common. And um, a lot of them were about what Albert was touching on, actually, which was about the way that young people regarded the relationships. So, I mean, they described it as a sort of social process, really, the work with artists in the gallery. And they, um, they compared that with learning in school, which they saw as being quite lonely, which was quite, you know, I mean, that's one of the trouble with evaluation frameworks is that you can get the, the answers around the factors you're expecting. And that was a totally unexpected factor. Um, and associated with that would be their observations about the relationship between themselves and the artist and the teacher, and they saw it as a very level thing. They, they understood there was co-learning going on because they could see that the teacher was learning from the artist, the artist was learning from the teacher, and artists are quite good at coming into a situation where they're, very, you know, they're open to what might happen, and they don't have all that history about those young people. They don't have those labels that young people get. Um, and, um, yeah, Albert was saying that some of their observations about how the teacher would feel and the artist would feel in that situation, how they projected those questions, was quite sophisticated. And that was something that came out across all the projects, really. Uh, the young people actually do know what's going on, isn't it? They do know what's going on. Um, I think, what else? But, yeah, being able to take risks, 
being able to think independently, not being fed solutions and ways of working, they were very appreciative about. Lots of um, sort of respect for other people's views and negotiation, so which are, which are called sort of soft skills. I really hate that term. You know, you could say, you know, people got hard skills because they learned about art and they learned about galleries and so on, and then young people got soft skills, which are do with confidence, self-esteem, negotiation. Mm. These are life skills. These are the, you know, these are the ones that get you jobs and enable you to cope with life, aren't they? I think. They're not soft I don't they're soft skills. They're very, very important. So I call them life skills. Um, <laughs> That's my personal battle there. Uh, yeah, so if, and if you're interested, again, um, this, this report um, has Nicholas Houghton's summary at the front, and there's a smaller publication that is really all about the crunching of that data. And they're all, <laughs> just like, they're all online. You can buy the CD in the interval <laughs> if you find me in for you. Um, and if you want to point at certain things, I can certainly tell you. I'm, I'm just really struck by something that Francoise was talking about, and I was thinking about what Miranda was saying as well, about the, what funders need. And, and I, I, I mean, having worked in the arts for 30 years, I think that's something that I, I constantly think about. And I suppose I, I, suppose I also think um, that it's just thinking about what Francoise was saying, that there's very little point in young children and young people taking part in the evaluation process unless that actually it's authentic and you use the, the data that's being collected, collected with real respect. And that I also feel as if I, as an arts professional, owe that to the funder to somehow find a way of using what I've learned and what the children and young people who took part and the artists and the arts professionals who've taken part have learnt. And that actually enables better practice to emerge. So, but I think it's incredibly testing at times. And I've caught myself trying to fit data and thinking, no, no, I simply mustn't. But I actually do think it's really, really hard, actually, because the colleagues who work in funding organisations are under very specific, you know, have very specific requirements about, in terms of reporting, I think. Um, yeah, first of all, I just want to say, Bob, it's really nice to hear, like, learning about art considered a hard skill. <laughs> yeah, that's quite encouraging. Um, I, I just um, I want to say, I can't remember which of you said it, um, but I also have this thing about, you know, sometimes when you, it, when you are doing evaluation within a project with young people, and it does feel like, and I think um, with regards to the Hadrian's Wall project, you use the phrase, you know, they'll do anything for you at the end of the project, and it does feel like you're asking them to do it for you, and you, can, and you know that, you know, you're also asking them to do it so that you can improve what you will offer them in future, but at the same time, in that moment, it feels like you're asking them to do it for you. And I think, yeah, that's always going to be a difficult thing, and evaluation is always going to take time and resource and energy from other things that they might rather be doing. Um, but I was very struck by what something one of you said around the, the idea of having us being self-reflective about your artistic practice being a really positive thing to learn. And I think. Um, Arts Award offers a really nice opportunity there. You know, again, to some of my funders, it's an accredited outcome and it's the fact that it's accredited that's exciting. But actually, for me, it, working with some of the older young people, I think that idea of documenting your learning and reflecting on your practice um, that you have to do in order to achieve an Arts Award is also a really good way for us to learn about the experience that the young people are having and for them to reflect on what they're doing. And I guess, you know, 
sort of coming back to the wider question of creative roots into capturing what's going on. Um, I think that's an area where, you know, I'd be really interested to hear about what other people have been doing specifically around arts water and capturing what's happening that kind of goes beyond the scrapbooking sketchbook writing about what you've done. Yeah, the, early on. yeah, there was an attempt to bring the young people's work into it as a, I mean, almost just acknowledging that that is an important factor, but it didn't become part of the data in a, in a formal way. But I think it is really interesting your point, Miranda, mm -hmm. because it actually, something that I've really observed is how empowering it is for children and young people who, who are making work to actually see that that is absolutely in parallel with the work that artists like Albert yeah. are doing and actually to feel kind of, a, you know, a, a, a sense of wonders with that. I think it's incredibly important and very, very affirming to understand that you are doing something creative and, mm. and it can be, it can be acknowledged and accredited too. Mm. So we're actually now coming to the end of our time. <laughs> and uh, where there's tea and coffee. And then we go back, I think, into the main hall. So I just really want to thank Barbara and Albert for doing a fantastic job. And thank you for your great questions. It's really brilliant. Thank you very much. This podcast is produced by Arts Council England. For more content like this, visit artscouncil.org.uk or soundcloud.com forward slash Arts Council England. <laughs>